Welcome to the Independent Filmmakers, Episode 2, Love Stories and Weddings. I'm Tyler, and my co-host this week is my good friend Josh. Hello! Uh, this week, we are talking wedding filmmaking and the experiences that we've had uh, recently doing that. And Josh helped me out on that, so he, his perspective is invaluable as a newer... Um, wouldn't necessarily call yourself a filmmaker, no. but definitely not not interested in being like a camera operator. So bottom of the barrel amateur, I suppose you could say. But I could not have done this wedding without him. So I'm we'll we'll get to all of that. But uh, if you've made it this far in my introduction and you don't want anything to do with this topic, at least go check out the JS Cinema Productions Facebook page and give the final wedding film a review. Since then, it's kind of just been tidying up. I've been doing some housekeeping on the business side of things. Um, I recently found out how much I hate New York State and the way that they handle all of their taxes um, and all of the different places that you have to go. Um, in order to pay yourself, it's it's ridiculous. I hate New York State, but here here we are, anyways. Um, and then coming up soon, um, I'm going to Chicago towards the end of September. I'm not sure if I'm going to be taking my uh, video equipment there because, well, Chicago's not a very safe place if you don't know what you're doing. So I don't really know how much exploring I'm going to be doing. Yeah. How would you feel about your roommate coming back? Oh, Josh and I are roommates, by the way. How would you feel about your roommate coming back dead? Well, the rent would certainly go up. <laughs> and I would be uh, paying his half. Yeah, so it's to be determined if I take anything. At the very least, maybe I'll take my drone. But um, then after that, the first week in October, I'm doing a wedding announcement video. And then following that, I have a wedding, um, the second wedding in Pennsylvania to shoot. Um, and that will be exciting. I'm going to be trying out some different equipment that we'll talk about a little later in the podcast. Uh, some pros and cons of the equipment that I had rented to help assist in the last wedding. So that's the introduction. Um, Josh doesn't really have any updates on his filmmaking since this wedding was his first endeavor so i guess we'll start at the beginning um so this wedding was a wedding for my brother shane that i did the completed wedding and i did it for him as his wedding gift and josh was very kind in offering to help film that wedding because it was my first wedding and i was also in the serve in the the wedding party in the wedding party so and, uh... Yeah. Also, it was his uh, birthday gift a few months late for his birthday. So Yeah, I don't really expect birthday gifts or Christmas gifts from friends or family. I'm just at that stage of my life where I was like, Josh, I'm going to pay you. He's like, no, it's your birthday no, I gift. Don't, yeah, I, don't, I didn't want to get paid. That's right. I did have a birthday, didn't I? Yes. But I was in the wedding, and it's kind of hard to film the wedding if you're in the wedding. So Josh came in clutch in his filming of the ceremony and then he stayed around um and ate food and helped film other things and i don't think this wedding video would have came out the way it did without him so backing up a little bit what was your first experience with my camera like 
when we first went out to practice how to using it. How to uh, use it. Scary. The only thought in my mind was don't drop the very expensive thousand some odd dollar camera. You want to hear something scarier? What? I dropped it at the wedding. You dropped I it dropped at the it. wedding? Yep. Oh, God. I've been waiting to say that until we recorded this podcast. When when did when did that happen? Um, it was during one of the dancing the dances. I was changing the lens, and I bumped the gimbal, and the gimbal fights itself when yeah. you bump it, and so it like counter torqued the opposite way right out of my hand. It went <laughs> boom, boom on the ground. Well, on a chair on the ground. I had a heart attack. Well, obviously the footage wasn't uh, damaged or anything like that. So, yeah, I've been waiting to say that. Um, I try to forget that. At least I'm not the first person to drop the camera. It's uh, it's a, it's, a, it's its own owner. And believe it or not, I was less worried about the camera and more worried about, like, damaging the, the motors on that gimbal. Because they, they seem so small. Yeah, but how, how much would you have to fight the motors before they get damaged? Is it really easy, or is it, would, would it take a lot of force to break those motors? I think they turn themselves off before they over-torque. But the damn thing is so expensive that I don't want to find out, and I can't find information. Like, I, I've Googled, like... Like the specs, the right, mechanical like, specs of it. Has anybody had these break, or what happens when they break, or what are the signs that they break? Well, that tells you the entire world is so cautious with these things, they've never broke yet. I mean, the amount of times that I've had the gimbal locked on accident and turned it on, and it, like, fights itself, and then it's like, hey, dummy, you've locked the gimbal. So, I mean, it hasn't broke so far. I have, like, a checklist now, so that I stop doing that. Oh, that's good. So, don't drop the camera, that was my first thought, uh, and my second thought was to the future. And every time we practiced, and even at the wedding, my, my thought was, don't cross your feet and trip over your own feet and then fall right in front of the bride. And um, luckily, I didn't. We, we did practice. How many weekends in a row did we practice? I think we did two weekends in a row. We took a break, and then we did another weekend right before the wedding. The weekend right before mm -hmm. the wedding, I think. And then before all of that, I put together like a nice... A tutorial. Almost, yeah, I wouldn't about... say it was the clearest instructions on how cameras work. No, but it I... wasn't bad. It it gave me uh, a jump start on what all the different features on the camera were. So I kind of sort of knew what the buttons were before going into our first practice session. Um, that way, when I got hands on with the camera the first time, I it was a lot easier after watching a. a tutorial i guess and i had to video did that on purpose too i didn't want to like over explain in a video and make it so complex that you just didn't walk away with anything because i i definitely feel and correct me if i'm wrong you learned more once you got to see what the settings did actually using the camera yeah i did but i think i would have had a harder time grasping that had I have not had, you, you split it up into, okay, what do they do? And then now do it for yourself. Instead of having it all in the hands-on session where you're trying to figure out what they do and doing it, you're figuring out what they do in one little section and then 
while I was watching the video, we could, you know, pause it and I could ask you questions about, okay, so if we were in the field, do I do this or do I do this? And you were right there, so it was a lot easier for me to get the answers I needed right then and there. Whereas I think in the field, if I was trying to learn that, I'd be fumbling around with the camera and I wouldn't be able to pay attention to what you're saying because I'm worried about don't drop the camera. Now, after learning all of that, what did you, what did you find to be more complex, the camera or learning how to operate the gimbal? The gimbal, with what I was using it for, basically worked itself. You had all the settings already set up, so it just kind of moved. And all, the only thing I really needed to do with the gimbal was uh, use the joystick to pivot the camera up and down a right. little bit. Uh, so I would say the camera was a little more mm. difficult to to work around, uh, especially the the lighting. Trying to 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 fumble around with the ISO, uh, the aperture, and then the filters, trying to find the right filter setting, especially when you're you're like doing a ninety degree, ninety degree turn. Uh, I don't know if the part in the 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 film where she was coming out of the the archway with her father. It was really dark, and it as we turned that 90 degrees, as they were walking in front of the the suite or whatever you want to call it, the brightness just went up exponentially, and it was hard to on the go fumble with the the, the filter. Mm -hmm. And then once I fumbled with the filter, that wasn't enough. So now I'm trying to fumble with the ISO afterwards, and it kind of muddied it up. But luckily, in post production, you kind of figure out how to make it work. Yeah, and, and I guess you could probably overcome that with having the camera set on auto ISO, but my worry with doing that is that it's gonna pick the wrong part of the image to meter off from. Like it's supposed to pick faces, but if it works, it's just it works a little like unreliable. the background or something, or the bright sky, it goes off the bright sky. Right, and, and then the image faces. would be too dark. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I mean, for those of you that don't know, the wedding filmmaking versus studio filmmaking in a studio environment we have precise control over all of our lighting and so we can basically put the camera at whatever we want and then we just add and take away lights and then you you know you can find fine tune the camera settings from there if you need to but in weddings you know there are especially outdoor weddings yeah very limited ability to control the lighting so this is very new to me, but you're talking about wanting to get like a raw image drive so you can just get all yeah. the ranges all in one. Yeah, so eventually what my goal would be is the to get the Atomos recorder for my camera and that would record raw video so that I can get just close enough and then I can have full control over the sensor data in post. But the problem is, is right now with my current camera, that and I have a plan to alleviate this, but with my current camera, Sony's RAW format is Apple ProRes, and I use DaVinci Resolve to grade. And for whatever reason, right now, ProRes aren't compatible or something. Well, it's a licensing thing. Apple oh. won't license um, ProRes RAW, so I can use ProRes and edit ProRes, uh, but I can't edit ProRes RAW. And in order to edit ProRes RAW, I would need to pay for Adobe's Premiere Pro. And I, I don't have a problem paying for that 
if I used it, but it, paying for that just to adjust the exposure from the raw files and then color grading in DaVinci Resolve doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't color grade entirely in Premiere Pro because it's not, I mean, it's not not good, but DaVinci Resolve is so much more powerful and it's the Hollywood industry standard. And well, maybe that's a topic for another podcast on how much better I personally think DaVinci Resolve is. But either way, I have the studio version of it. I'm going to color grade in in DaVinci Resolve, which is what I know. So in order to get the raw files that I can then grade in DaVinci Resolve, unless Apple licenses ProRes Raw, is Blackmagic, which is the company that that created DaVinci Resolve, has the Pocket Cinema 6K, which is the next camera in the evolution of cameras that I will buy. And the downside of that camera is it's a smaller sensor. So my Sony is a full frame camera. So it's a bigger, basically a bigger sensor. The Pocket 6K is a, is a Super 35 sensor. So I don't know how much smaller that technically is in like inches or centimeters or whatever the measurement is if you were to want to measure the sensor, but it's significant enough to affect the low light performance, which is the main reason I have my Sony is because it's great in low light. So using the Cinema 6K, I could solve all of the problems with- Like overexposure? Right, with over and underexposure during the day, which right. is where we're having most of the problems anyways. And I can shoot in Blackmagic's raw format, and then that would solve the problem. So you'd basically just use that for the day and then your big, bigger camera for the, like the night time mm -hmm. Kind of, kind of stuff. Right. The Sony would then become basically my B camera until um, I need it more for the low light. The other benefit to the 6K is it has internal ND filters. Oh, okay. Um, so that would just be more convenient. Um, so that's that part of that whole... One topic wrapped up. Yeah, uh, our digression down that hole of yeah. specifics. But that being said, now that you've filmed and you've had this experience, what would you say that you've learned or how comfortable are you now compared to when you first started? Um, I would say when I first started practicing not when I first did the wedding but when I first started practicing I was under the impression that the shot had to be perfect and I was afraid that one little wrong movement or one little wrong click on the ISO or the wrong ND filter would completely screw up the entire production but since I was mostly doing all my moving shots with um, like a slow-mo, a 60 frames per second uh, mode, mm -hmm. um, you, you, would, uh, you would constantly say, oh, it's not gonna be that big of a deal. It's not gonna be that big of a deal. When you're doing the filming, you may have these slightly large emotions, but when you slow it down, those large emotions are not gonna be as noticeable, especially in post-production where you can crop out some of the jittery 
uh, borders of the, the film. And speaking of that, I didn't even have to use the... So the Sony has an internal gyro that records data that I can import into a program called Catalyst Browse, and it will stabilize the, fi the film mm -hmm. via what you're talking about even better than regular post-production will. And I didn't even have to use that. Even with your most jittery parts of the film? Yeah. I mean, after this... That's. I remember you wanted to see some of the other footage that that I shipped out. Yeah. That I didn't post online, and you'll notice even where you're at your most jittery, it doesn't look half bad because of what you're talking about. But you you kept telling me this. No matter how many times we practice, oh, it's not gonna be that big of a deal. Oh, it's not gonna be that big of a deal. But I didn't really quite understand that until you took some of that footage the practice footage and even now the the wedding footage and you put it through production post-production and now i can see i can visually see that oh i can see where i messed up but it really wasn't as bad as what i did while filming um an example is something you may or may not see uh in one of his films but when i was following the bride and her father I, uh, I was desperately trying to get the right um, light exposure. And while doing so, I was messing with the ND filter while walking and then messing with the ISO and then messing with the aperture while walking and the whole thing. It was kind of like we were talking about earlier. The, the gyros were kind of fighting me and they were kind of getting jittery because I was moving the camera and they didn't want to be moved. But... I think even that, he kind of smoothed out a little bit. Um, well, that particular part didn't even make it into the highlight reel. There was another part that I was doing that with, and I saw it, and I could tell in the video it was a little jittery, but it was not as jittery as what I was feeling yeah. while walking. And, and so how little it actually made a difference is I don't even remember. Like, right. I spent hours and hours and hours editing and staring at that footage. Uh, I know even... Uh, it really didn't even make a difference to me, and I knew where I messed up. Uh, I, I watched the video, and I was almost holding back tears the entire time. It really didn't affect me, and I know a lot of uh, your your viewers that viewed the video, they were in tears, and yeah. heck, my, even my mom was in tears, and, and she wasn't even there. Mm -hmm. So and that particular scene didn't even make it into the cut because of the composition that was no fault of your own. It was the geography. Just the ground yeah. was sloping at a weird angle, and it just didn't made the look whole right. scene look tilted, even though the camera right. wasn't tilted. And artistically, it just didn't didn't make a cut. But I mean, that that goes to show you is you can mess up, and even if you royally fuck up, even if you royally mess up, you uh, in in a five minute production when I've got three hours of footage or five hours of footage, you just, can just cut out cut all the bad ones. Like ooh, never happened. I would say the biggest difference is. Even though I'm still afraid of tripping over my own feet and uh, having the bride do one of those oh crap moments, um, I can say that I'm a little more confident that my minor screw-ups aren't going to completely ruin the quality of the, the end result video. I remember when you arrived. It wasn't that you didn't know what you were doing. I think it's just the nerves of doing it for the first time actually doing it like right. this is you get one take and that's it the bride's not gonna walk backwards just so you can get the shot yeah again 
she's just going to keep going. And then if you miss the shot, you miss the shot. I think even though it was my first wedding, my nerves were a little different. Because you've had so many other practice experiences right. with your, your car because videos. Because I, I just know my videos. equipment. Yes. I think overall, like, I couldn't be happier. I mean, there were there were a couple things that we could do better, and we'll talk about it. But overall, I would say, especially for the limited amount of experience that you had prior to doing this, like, I would have no problem having send you out, send, to send you out on your own. Now... There was a lot more that you would need to learn about specific compositions and and whatnot. But as far as the core camera functions, like you had them down. I can, I can only say that the one thing that we didn't practice was changing lenses. Yeah. Because it's not that. something that we needed to do. Um, having not known what the venue was going to really be like. Or the uh, weather. I would have liked a longer focal length. So I would have liked for you to have been able to have switched out. But the nice thing about shooting 4K is I could punch in a little bit and it didn't really make too much of a difference. Yeah. That would be another advantage of getting a 6K. You could punch in a little bit and have no quality loss whatsoever. At mm -hmm. least not to the naked eye. Mm -hmm. what, what did you like best about the wedding day? The whole wedding day? What was your favorite part? Not. Let me rephrase. What was your favorite part that you were actually doing the camera work because i know a lot of the time you were kind of just hanging out ready to jump in if i needed some help um after giving it some due thought i think having the pressure of not being able to screw up anymore when everything was all said and done was my favorite part <laughs> i think my i think my favorite part was um like doing the like during all the dances like moving in and out of all the people and just knowing having experienced and, and knowing how my editing is going to look, like filming something and just knowing like, oh, this is going to look so sweet. And I think that was my favorite part. Like the ceremony, like the bride getting ready, all of that stuff was cool. But like just knowing like people dancing and, and I, I already knew what music I was going to pick out. So I was just in my head going, this is going to look so sweet. And I remember Shane and Mackenzie Anytime we were doing something with the couple's photo shoot, mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh, yeah, perfect. Keep doing this. This is going to look so good on video. And Shane's like, it was either Shane or Mackenzie. They were like, is that just something that people say is like, oh, this is going to look so good on video. And the photographer, she was laughing and it was a good time. So um, your least favorite part? The lead up to the event, just being so nervous about not knowing how it was going to turn out. Yeah. I think, honestly, I'd probably amend my favorite part to being seeing the video for the first time and being able to pick out the shots. We're like, oh my God, that's mine. I did that. I shot that. Yeah. That's not too bad. And seeing how much of the video was actually coming from my point of view and my what I got during that day. Yeah, and, I remember you texting me and you're like, let me know if I fucked up. <laughs> And this is not a PG-13 podcast, by the way. This is more like rated. No, I guess it would be PG rated PG-13. You're, you're allowed one. Well, that's your second one. So <laughs> we're going to have to go radar now. But you're allowed one F word. But you would text me and you're like, let me know if I screwed up. Let me know if I screwed up. And I'm yeah. like, I'll let you know when I know. <laughs> and I think you kind of knew when it was done because I edited it relatively quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. Um, so you asked my least favorite part. Yeah. 
my least favorite part, I would say, was not not just the the, the pre-filming jitters, but during the actual production, I was very afraid of getting in the photographer's way, because where whereas we have what 60 frames a second every second so that's 60 pictures in one second they get one chance to get the perfect shot and i was so afraid of walking in front of them and screwing up their photography that i i didn't miss it but i did not get the best shot of their kiss mm -hmm. and that was that's my biggest regret is because we didn't we weren't able to coordinate as well and i i was basically ducking below the camera 30 feet away and i couldn't get that nice zoomed in angle of the kiss i got it right but i didn't get the best shot and i think that's a good segue into like things that we we think could go better and things that we we thought could go well so the the first thing like you just said is so the photographer got into position early and i think you kind of was like oh crap i gotta move yeah and didn't yeah. didn't realize that she was just back there because she was waiting um yep. and if you would have had a longer focal length that would have been great and it would have worked um that being said it didn't it doesn't look terrible in 4k right because i could punch in a little bit and then when you're seeing it like on a screen right up in front um so yeah that and and i was in my head i was like screaming at you yeah but i couldn't um, i couldn't I couldn't say anything because no, you did loud and clear. I I saw your eyes. You, you, I know you people can't see me, but he he was he was as much as he could without drawing attention to himself, wide eyed and shaking his head. No, no, no. I'm like, I'm sorry. You're I don't like, know what to do. Like, you told me here. not to get in front of her her her, her, her yeah. photos, and then if I'm getting the close up of you know her, uh, of them kissing then how is she gonna get the close-up of them kissing what do i what do i do we didn't yeah. practice this so. i think you would have been okay though because you were off to the right but that being said the worst part of that was that my b cam died <clears throat> the b cam yes so i have rented an a7s 2 which is one generation behind my main camera and when i tell you that sony upgraded when they made the a7s 3 Man, I tell you, they upgraded because the menu system on the A7S II, and it's known that it's a, it's a pile of crap. It's a hot steaming pile of crap. Oh boy, I experienced that, and I will never ever rent an A7S II ever again. Not only was it a challenge for me to set up originally, I so I don't know if there is a recording limit on my A7S III, but if there is, at least I would be right there to re-punch it and like, right. re-record. But I mean, my the, the, camera shut off after a half hour. And that wasn't an issue with me because I had to switch back and forth between a couple different modes, the 24 frames per second and then the 60 frames per, sec per second. So I had multiple different videos and none of them were over a half an hour. So that wasn't even close to a problem yeah. for me. And when the wedding ceremony wasn't even over a half hour, but right. I had started the B-cam before... Everyone even walked down. Right. And, and fortunately, like... The saving grace was... You caught the most important part. It caught him seeing her coming down the aisle. Yes. And it caught all of his speech. Yes. So that when I was able to do the editing for the full the full stuff, it wasn't the same stale camera position. Not that there was anything wrong with your framing. I, well, I wasn't even looking at the, bro or the, or the groom, though. Yeah. So his face wouldn't have been in any of the footage while he was reading. Luckily, he went first, though, right? Yeah. So it got his, it got his, um, his, his stuff in there. 
So that was the biggest mess up of the entire day. Um, and, you know, I know now, and for this next wedding that I'm doing, I'm getting an A7S III, and I'm my plan is to have my B-cam set up, and it'll be transmitting wirelessly to my phone that I can actually put on the side of my gimbal. So I'll have my main camera, and, and obviously using that like I regularly would, and then I can just look down and control and verify that it my B-cam is doing what it needs to do. So... That's how I plan to solve that problem. Um, what else went wrong? Um, well, you didn't see it, but where the bride was getting ready had the worst lighting. Was it dark? The the worst lighting that you could possibly ask for for a wedding. So it was downstairs in the barn. Yeah. And it was dark and lit by a single super, super, super warm uh, incandescent light bulb. So everything, even to the naked eye, so your eye automatically adjusts. Your eye has like the perfect white balance calibrator inside it. Mm -hmm. Even with your eye adjusting to the light, it was very, very warm. And so when I color corrected that, like even, even putting my camera at an appropriate white balance setting, right? it, it just came out to ugly looking because there was no natural light coming in there no daylight and daylight makes the skin look the best mm -hmm. so it just didn't look great in post-production and it was very cramped um the groom definitely got the better end of the getting the pre-wedding yeah um and i feel really bad about that but that's one of those situations that you can't you that's can't do anything about yeah. you can't change the environment it, it came out well enough but that was just kind of an unfortunate thing. So in the future, what would you do? Would you bring in, if you knew you were going to be doing that kind of shot, would you bring in your own lights and whatnot? If I could, but the I had them all set up upstairs. Yeah. yeah. So I could have brought them in, but... Yeah. I mean, in a space that small. Um, I mean, that would be the perfect way to solve it, would be to bring in another light. Because that's essentially how I got the dance floor footage is I, three three big spotlights right, that you I have the Practolites, and I set them to daylight so that I set my white balance to that. And then what that basically does is it gives my camera a, not a focal point, but a reference point so that all of the light from those spotlights hitting people is balanced to my camera's white balance. Mm -hmm. And because those lights are so bright, they overpower the DJ's lights. Okay. So I'm always getting that... That, ex not, that same level quality of lighting. Right, the, the correct white balance. Instead of like the blinking of the DJ's lights and the right. strobes and whatnot. Now, obviously, you still see the DJ's lights yeah. on there, but the skin tones look a little more natural. There's just something about a backlit subject that looks so great when you see all the light reflecting through people's or like you know bouncing through people's hair and everything it just looks really good on camera um what are some other things that you noticed if you noticed anything that that could have gone wrong i've got like one more thing that i'll mention uh, i can't really notice not to my memory anyway if you pointed them out i could say oh yeah i remember that but i can't quite remember anything else that is glaringly oh that should have changed mm -hmm. so actually two two final things that went wrong um the dj's soundboard didn't output sound to my handheld recorder uh-huh 
And then fortunately I had my backup recorder, but when the uh, maid of honor was speaking, it was overwhelmingly echoey. And I think it was the, either the way she was holding it or where she was, or if there was a speaker nearby her or something, but it just didn't sound right. Um, but when everybody else spoke, that problem went away. Um, so, I mean, if you go through and you watch it again, you'll actually be able to hear it, even though I did as best as I could to get rid of it in post-production. Yeah. But the DJ, yeah, the DJ's output into my recorder just didn't work. It was picking up his, his microphone and not the microphone that the speeches were coming. Hmm. All right. So, um, and then the last thing was, um, I didn't get a couple of shots that I wanted to, like I didn't record the whole, um, the game where they had to raise their feet or their their shoes oh, and answer yeah. the questions about themselves. I didn't record all of Who's that. Who's the better kisser? And they raise right. whichever shoe that they think the person is. And during like all of the dances, I didn't get complete nonstop shots of all of them because I would turn my camera off and reframe and then turn it back on. So I didn't capture all of the dances in completeness. So do you think next time you would just keep the camera on and just walk around? Yeah, um, that's that's probably what I'm thinking, or leave my B cam set up. That's that's what I did. Uh, you, we handed it off to me when all the bridal mm -hmm. party was doing the bridal party. Which the party bride dance. specifically asked for, so I'm glad we thought thought of that to have you recording. Yeah. So that's what I did. I just I kept the camera rolling. I just walked around, got some shots of everyone's faces, and that was pretty much it. So some things that went really well. Um, believe it or not, the ceremony did go really well. Besides having the two biggest mess-ups in it, and, and your your particular mess-up really wasn't the end of the world, but my, my B-cam dying was, the ceremony itself was like... Videography and photography aside, their, their planning and whatnot went off with a hitch. The DJ, there was no yeah. real... Other than the mic problem, there was no real problems at all. Yeah, with uh, the DJ, the 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 pacing was, I I think perfect. Yeah, and and the that shot where the bride and, and her father came out, that was cool. that was the money shot. The only thing that I didn't like about that shot was when when the when you when the venue people, when <laughs> oh, the people yeah. hosting the venue opened that door, their yeah. face and hands were sticking out into the into the frame. And it would have looked so cool if they had a way to open that without them being in the frame. Like a pair of strings right. or a bar or something. Right. But nobody will ever know because that didn't make any of the cuts. <laughs> yep. So it, it's just sitting in my raws. So maybe a blooper reel one day. One thing that could go better is it could not rain like the morning of. And then when I'm trying to do my big, nice, wide-angle shot, I don't have to worry about slipping on the wet grass, yeah. Yeah. which luckily I didn't. I could I could go for venues without hills, hills yes, but yeah I, I I think it went really well. It was a beautiful venue. Oh yeah, the, they had a Clydesdale there. It's beautiful. The drone shots, my goodness, I love hills. Yeah. That opening that opening shot with the drone flying over that hill. You love hills, but you hate hills. Well, I hate, I hate <laughs> yeah I like hills when I'm flying my drone. Man, I tell you what, to be a wedding videographer in 2021, it's almost like cheating. Because imagine 20 years ago when we didn't have drones, mm -hmm. you could not get that type of shot unless you were a millionaire. With a helicopter. Right. And then who wants a helicopter flying over their venue? So plans for the future. So let me talk briefly on all of the equipment I rented for that, that particular wedding. Um, 
I had rented a 35 millimeter lens. I rented a 90 millimeter macro lens. I rented batteries, extra batteries. I rented memory cards. The lights. Yep, I rented the lights and I rented that camera. Are all, were all the ND filters yours? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then I rented um, uh, a multi charger for the batteries that I didn't really even end up using. And was the tripod yours or Scott's? Or? Um, that was my dad's. Yep. Okay. Um, so what I am changing is this this wedding that I have coming up in October. I'm filming a wedding. I'm renting the same amount of memory cards. So I'm going to have half a terabyte in memory cards plus the memory cards that I already have. I'm getting, instead of an A7S II, I'm using the three, the same exact camera I have now. I'm, instead of getting extra lenses, I think I'm, instead of a 35, don't get me wrong, I love the 35, I would choose it any day over a 24 for all of the interior dancing shots. But I'm going to use my 24 and save a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, instead of getting a 90mm macro, as much as I'm in love with the macro lens, what I'm going to do is I'm getting a Canon EF to Sony E-mount to go on to my B camera. And then my mom has a Canon 70 to 200 so that I'll be able to put on. And that'll get me a really nice uh, telephoto um, for the, the ceremony. Um, I'm renting three batteries, but I'm not renting a quad battery charger. I think I went through six batteries at the last wedding. Six? Yeah, and not all completely drained. I, I swapped them out at about 20%. Oh, okay. Um, and the sixth battery was the one I ended on, and I think it was like half. So I have four batteries of my own, and I rented three more, plus the B-cam comes with another one. So Eight batteries in total. What I'm going to end up doing is just using my regular charger and plugging in a battery yeah. when it dies. Um, and then I should be good to go. Um, there's no way I, for, I foresee myself running out of battery power after having done this the first time. Um, batteries are so cheap. Who knows? I might even buy another battery. I literally buy them at Best Buy for 70 bucks. So I might even buy more batteries because you can never go wrong with batteries. Now, would that change if you were in the future to do like longer weddings? Someone books a 12-hour plus wedding or a documentary wedding? Yeah, at that point, I'm hoping that I'll have some V-mount batteries, um, which are ginormous batteries. Um, and there are some different ways that I'm thinking of incorporating those into like a Tilta makes a, uh, a ring mount where the gimbal goes in the center of the ring and you can put a V-mount battery on. Um, I can also, my dad has a, a battery that can mount to like a tripod hmm. and um, you just put a it's like a false battery that goes in the bottom with a cord that runs to the the, the mounted battery. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's all sorts of different options that I could consider doing. There's also a case. I don't know how much it is, but I know I can rent it. Um, that you can actually plug these uh, Sony batteries in, and it's basically a giant battery in a case. Hmm. And you just plop these little batteries in, and it will charge all. A uh, mobile charger, basically. Exactly. So there's all sorts of options. Um but I mean, honestly, these these Sony batteries are so cheap. Like any time that I have a little bit of extra money that I don't know what to do with, but I know I have enough, I can just buy a new battery. Um, Heck, if you get enough equipment, you can rent out stuff yourself. Yeah, I do need to start saving for more memory cards too, though, because that's my that's my only worry. Um, 
long story short, I'm shooting in uh, super compressed, which is hard to edit um, because I can't find memory cards, V90 memory cards, because of the supply chain shortages. I, I simply can't buy them. They're expensive, but they're arguably the most important thing that I can have. So I'm is renting them. Is that just them. a pandemic problem where yeah. people just haven't been making them? But I can rent them. Uh, I can rent a half a terabyte of in-memory cards for 50 bucks. Okay. Versus spending the money that on something that I can't even find. And then the last thing I'm renting is those lights again because they you were like invaluable. And you had all the controls on your phone. Yeah, They're it's all, all Bluetooth controlled. Yeah. Um, I would like to, for multiple reasons, including personal projects that I have, I would like to buy an Aperture 60X, but they're not in stock because pandemic problems. So that being said, this is my only option, um, is to rent these. And they're great lights. I like them. Um, so what would this light that you want to buy do that these rented ones? A little can't? more control, um, a little wider spread. Um, not quite as bright, but, um, like longer battery life, more modifiers for it. Also a little cheaper. Okay. Um, but they're not in stock. So that's, that's all I'm renting. I'm renting a little less, um, because I don't need all the extra stuff. Um, those lenses. So the 35 millimeter lens that I'd rented, if I were to buy, it's like a $1,600 lens. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in renting it was like 100 bucks. So that's a, when I have money to spend, I'll buy right. it. But... The 35 millimeter is the next lens that I'll be purchasing when I purchase a lens. Um, and then after that, probably, uh, I'm going to have to see how the 70 to 200 goes. I might get one for my Sony. Um, if not, I'm going to get like a 24 to 100 or a 24 to 120 telephoto, but definitely 35 millimeters, the next one. So that's what I've got for that, for the next wedding, which is coming up October 9th, um, going back down to Pennsylvania. And the weekend before that, I'm filming a love story announcement video for a wedding date for um, a co-worker's sister. And then after that, I mean, wedding season is pretty much over for this year. And so we're taking bookings for next year and beyond. Now, what is your opinion as a whole on wedding filmmaking? Having seen the process from start to finish, it's... Compared to the other stuff you've seen me film. I would say, in comparison to your car stuff, the wedding film that you made is a lot more emotional and it touches the heart in quite a different way. What got to me the most, if we're going to go on a little tangent, is is the, the, the part where your mother and your brother had that special little moment where he put on... Your mother put the necklace with your father's picture on it. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't even know that happened. And the first time I saw it, I had a tear come down my eye. And and you haven't even seen the whole thing. I haven't You're going to be able thing. to see that after yes. we're done here because I'm going to show them all to you. So it, it's especially knowing all, at least half the people involved in this wedding on a personal level in some way or another. It hit me 
in the heart a lot more than the nature stuff or the car stuff. And while uh, you did a nice little nature bit, short, minute-long video of just fishing, people fishing. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, that's that's amazing. But it hit me nowhere near as much as this wedding did. And that's my thoughts on it, too. So, believe it or not, wedding filmmaking has been an entry point into the filmmaking world forever. But the thing that sets good filmmakers, wedding filmmakers, from great wedding filmmakers is the wedding filmmakers that have a passion and just want to make wedding films. And I'm not saying that wedding films are the only thing that I want to do because eventually the goal for this company is to be, you need video stuff done, come to me. It doesn't matter what it is. We have cameras, we'll film it. We'll film it, we'll edit it. I don't care what it is. Right. As long as I'm not working for somebody's OnlyFans. <laughs> um, I mean, or, I mean, hey, money's money, right? Um, That's what OnlyFans is all about, <laughs> is money, yeah. Uh, Weddings is always weddings are always going to be the core of this company for one simple reason. I can go out and make a commercial for Ford. And 90% of people that see that commercial are going to hit skip or no they're going to mute it. No one wants a commercial. It's going to be, don't get me wrong, it's going to be a great commercial. It's going to be a cinematic, like commercial masterpiece. Yes. You know, you could dump thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into it but when you're on youtube and you see that ad you just want to hit the skip button as right. fast as you can so you can get back to the content you're actually after right and in so cars if you don't know cars and vehicle filming are is the the second big thing that i do because there is a very valuable market in that not just in commercials you have car enthusiasts that they love their cars. And yeah, your Hellcat video yeah. blew up. And now you're you're having people who are poking interest in, in getting something like that yeah. done for their vehicle. But even with that, the difference between that and a wedding film that can make people cry. Yes. Like, I don't, I don't like making people cry when I hurt them. But when I can take something that, like, so the thing that that just is a shining example of this is almost nobody like really cried during the wedding itself no i, I, I saw really, no. i saw some people getting close maybe a tear or so i know one of your brothers cried when he gave a speech yeah but when i played that when people saw that video they cried because of the emotions that i could bring out if i just play and that's the thing is see people traditionally think of a wedding video the you know grandpa with his camcorder and he just straight through records the whole thing yeah yeah but when i can take the most beautiful parts all of, of it, the entire ceremony and throw it all and together. i can tell a story that a decade from now they're gonna pull up and show their family or show their kids or show their friends and they can relive that moment when you see a father dancing with his daughter the bride for the first time and that man's cracking a tear oh my lord you're gonna crack a tear too because yeah. i had to turn around to to stop getting well I, I was there i wasn't filming it but i had when i saw that and he was starting to you know get a little emotional i had to turn around to stop getting the the visual stimulation so i could calm down 
and it didn't work because your brother Jeff and his wife were behind me also crying. I'm like, you guys need to stop or else I'm going to lose it. The thing with memory, and this is interesting, this will, this will be, this will relate, I promise. The thing with memory is after an event, and it doesn't matter what it is, within a day you, and I'm not going to throw out specific numbers because I don't have the time to look it up. Within a day, you you lose an exponentially large amount of what actually happened and your brain fills in the details. Yeah. So it's impossible, like biologically impossible for you to go through a day and then tomorrow be able to recount crystal clear everything. everything. You might think that you are, but you're 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 going to forget some things. Yeah. And then that's exponential as time goes on. So by the time like 5 days during this honeymoon that my brother and my sister are on, when I showed them the video, Mackenzie was like, that that day was a blur to me. (laughs) Like, I don't remember that day. And so people don't remember the emotions that they're having. That's the beauty of capturing it on film is I can be there and I'm, I'm on the prowl when I'm at the film. I'm looking for emotion. Yes. And, and that's, you, you, that was one of the things that I told you. Yep. Look for emotion because we want to capture that. Because emotion Something is you don't good. Lose. Because Mackenzie didn't, didn't know she teared up when she danced with her dad. She didn't know her dad teared up. She didn't know Shane teared up yep. at the, when she saw it or when he saw her. For the first day, yeah. Like the mother of the groom, my mother put the necklace on Shane's neck in the vi- highlight video you can see a tear stream down his eye oh, yeah that got me too those are the moments that people are going to look back at forever and you don't want to those are the things you want to capture so you don't forget right. what it felt like being there and as badass as my favorite car the Hellcat as, as badass as making a video like that is that that peaks more like your adrenaline and your like right. your your joy sensors. It's a different type of joy. It, yes, and there's just something that I love about being able to tell a story that makes somebody cry. And my ultimate goal would be to be a destination filmmaker, not because being a destination filmmaker means that I can make more money, but because I want to go places to tell the best stories. stories that I can. Unique, yes, and. Nothing against a wedding that's held in a gym or at a small town church or anywhere else. If someone wants me to make that an emotional day for them, I am not going to say no. But, like, man, wouldn't it be awesome to be, like, on an island in the Caribbean? It'd be an adventure. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's, that's why I do this, and that's why I think that that day was possibly my favorite day ever. I'm like, I didn't even eat. I barely ate. I chugged sodas left and right because it was hot and I was parched. You had me get like three or four waters. Through. Hey, can you go give me water? Hey, yeah. Can you go? Yeah, okay. But I don't think I even ate. Like, I wasn't even interested in eating because I just wanted to film. And I think that's why this is the perfect company for me to have started because it's not work. I mean, eventually it's going to be work, but by that time I'll have employees and I'll be... I don't ever think I will be hands off, mm. but you know I want to be able to teach that, and I want to be able to bring the passion of filmmaking for something other than 
like movies. Like, don't get me wrong. If somebody wanted me to direct a movie or like be a cinematographer for a movie, I wouldn't say no. But it's not something that I would be like out of my way to It'd do. It'd be like a hobby, a one-off thing. Oh yeah, sure, I'll do that right. one thing. Right. Like this kind of brings our main topic to a close. But with that being said, are you interested in continuing this? Like in the future, if I have weddings left and right, and it becomes something, like. We're not going to get into publicly what you make it or where you currently work or how much that I would pay you or not or, you know, any of that. But out of pure interest and joy of the day, do you think that it's something that you would be doing, could see yourself doing? At the minimum, get away from the everyday drudge of, of my current job. I think maybe if you were doing weekend stuff and I was free, I would gladly you know take a day or two off the weekend and come shoot a wedding every once in a while at minimum because at the end of the day the end result was quite amazing and like i said it was fun picking out oh yeah that's my shot i did that i'm proud of that Mm -hmm. i can't believe that turned out so good and that's that's like another thing why so i'm not going to say what my my full-time career currently is but let's just say that i like filmmaking because i can create something that people like at the end of the day i create something that you know i don't at the end of at the end of a typical day and this is the same thing at your current job that you work at yeah whatever you've done it doesn't matter the next day it's just the next day it's just the next day um and don't get me wrong i mean our jobs pay the bills i'm thankful for them and we both do a job that needs to be done it's not like most definitely and nothing against mcdonald's but there's another mcdonald's down the road so if this McDonald's closest to us burned down, there's another McDonald's down the road. But at minimum, I would like to, to right. do a couple shoots at least a year at, at maximum. I, who knows? Maybe it could be a full-time job. Yeah. I mean, the that's, that's the eventual goal. Um, I do want to sometime get you in front of a computer and teach you the editing. Because yeah, be nice. I think there's... There's a huge benefit, even if you don't want to edit full-time, to understand what goes into making a composition so that you can then apply that into your your filming. And who knows? You might actually like editing. Um, the nice thing about DaVinci Resolve is it's very visual. So you're not just layering menus and menus and menus. DaVinci Resolve is very visual. And again, topic for a different day. But... You might you might fall in love with the editing and being able to create a story. That's that's my favorite part. If if that were the case, I could at minimum see the tools you're working with, and then I could get a better visualization of the story you're trying yeah. to tell. And if I have a better visualization of the story you're trying to tell, I can try to get the the shots that you want. And you know something that's really cool, if you did actually like like editing, is. Um, so there's editing and then there's color grading and color grading is a different thing. That's what I actually like the most. Um, with my DaVinci Resolve that I have, I have two, like a license for two computers. So you could put one on your computer. I could put one on my computer um, and we can collaborate and work together. Hmm. So you do your edits and as you've compiled edits, I can be color grading at the same time. That's interesting. And then if I were to get another license, um, I can put a remote render server 
So as we're working on a project, we can send it to my, my third computer or the third computer in the house, yeah. my second computer, and it will render while we continue to work. Huh. So there's a lot of really cool things that, um, you know, is down the road something that we can explore and then maybe have you back on the podcast to talk about editing. There you go. Um, but I mean, I've got any, every wedding that I have from now on is going to be saved on a hard drive. So hard drives are like 24 bucks. <laughs> So you're going to have a hard drive for every wedding you do. Yep. So you'll have like 100 hard drives someday. Yep. So, I mean, the thing is, is uh, if people want to purchase RAWs, I mean, for 24 bucks, why not? Yeah. I'll just go. keep it forever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure I won't keep it for, there's only a limited amount of space that I have. But for right now, I could probably honestly fit 100 hard drives in that one little cubby bin that I have in there. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I mean, we've been talking for a little while. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to talk about before we close out the podcast? No, I think we've touched on everything that I really had a hand in. Yeah. To, to my uh, to my level, level of knowledge, I can't really contribute much more. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the end of episode two, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, make sure to give us a follow on all of our social media, our YouTube channel, our Facebook, our Instagram, and wherever you are listening to this podcast. Um, it helps build awareness so that our following grows and that some that more people that are interested in our work can find us and reach out to us. And um, again, this is our first year in, in business and I hope to keep growing and I hope to keep creating great content. And we will see you um, next month, hopefully. Bye.